0: Okay, welcome back everyone to another episode of Teacher Talk where two young black female educators discuss all things education. Today we are joined by Home Girls Unite. Um, so, Home Girls Unite, they're a support group for young women who are the eldest daughters of immigrant parents. They aim to support and unite young women and talk about the struggles that the eldest daughters of immigrant families. Go through. So, ladies, welcome to Teacher Talk. It's a Thank pleasure you. to have you on the pod. Thanks for having us today. Thank you. Yeah, this is exciting. It's like hi. It's, just, it's just like <laughs> you know, four black women. I'm just. I'm, well, <clears throat> I'm literally. i just smiling. I <laughs> I'm seeing four. Black women, just I'm I'm feeling We've
1: never have had this before, have we? Oh, no, we haven't. We haven't have four black women on here before? No, this is the
2: first. This is the first for us. Yeah, so exciting! It's really nice for us to not be the ones having to do the questioning. So <laughs> I can sit back and just listen. I'm ready
0: because I found you guys a while ago on Instagram. I think like last last, well, yeah, oh yeah, last year, of course, because we only really <laughs> 2021. Um, and I just really like the fact that you were doing things for eldest daughters, but then also um, girls from immigrant families. So what is your background in terms, you know, like your family? Um, when did your family immigrate to the UK? Um, why did you want to start Home Girls as well? So just some information on that would be great. Go on, Hannah. We always do this. Go on, Hannah. Go on, yeah, then. Um, I'll go. <laughs> so
3: I'm I'm Senegambian. My dad is Gambian. My mum is Senegalese, but I was born in Gambia, and then my dad has always lived in England. Um, even before I was born, he he lived here, and um, so um, when I was eleven, I moved um to England. And it's funny, you lot are teacher podcast. The reason for my moving was for education. Ooh. Um, for, because they felt like I would benefit more from the education system here than back home. So I moved here when I was 11, went straight to year seven. And then um, I had my siblings who are a mixed race. Um, and I've always, I've lived in Yorkshire. Um, which is really, there's like no black people there. Um, I was like one of three black girls in my year. So it was very... <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like,
2: <laughs> it surprised was that she's no more.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then... <laughs> so it's like my friendship with other immigrant women, it kind of kept stepping up because when I was in high school, I had like one black friend And then i went to college it started getting more because i went i went to college in another city and then i moved to london for uni and i only have black friends now (laughs) (laughs) so it was it, it was really nice and i think i i feel like you know when you don't know yourself till something happens i think i feel like i didn't know myself my background my culture until i moved to london and started mixing with other women that had experience that had also from immigrant families that they understood what we were going through and then um i met this hannah here and um that's kind of how how it started and now we we're building home girls
2: yeah. um and so for me i was born in in london uh south london i've always haven't moved out. <laughs> um, and so I was born to Somali parents. And I always joke that had it not been for the war, my dad would never have left. He's one of those like very old school, very hardcore Somali men. Um, and so English wasn't allowed to be spoken at home. You had to speak Somali. You were Somali first before anything else. Um, and then when I went to secondary school, so my secondary school was actually in Croydon. So very diverse, I think very different to Yasin's experience, Um, but I went to an academy. And um, for me, education was like the way to get out of the situation that I was in. So um, I have five younger siblings. I have an older brother, but we're Irish twins. So like very close in age. Um, So seven of us in total and a big gap so between the first and the last is 18 years so it was just like a lot of kids in the house but all of us at very different stages as well in life um the first four of us are very kind of close in age and then there's a big gap and then there's a big gap (laughs) um and so very different stages of life um and so yeah so i think for me education was always a way of trying to improve the situation I was in Um, my parents were quite strict but if it was anything to do with school they were pretty lax so I would do loads of after school activities like school was my kind of escape really Um, but it wasn't until I was doing my master's that I found out I I was dyslexic and so growing up through the kind of education system it was always put down to the fact that um Somali was spoken at home and English was in a first language and that was even though I was born here, I was like, well English is my first language. You can't have two first languages, and it's allowed. Um and so no one really tested me. Um and then when I was doing my masters it was like, oh well you're severely dyslexic. And I was like, I thought something was a mess. Um and <laughs> so it's yeah. And then yeah. So I think for me education has been a big thing, but also like as a woman, as, as a woman born to immigrant parents, that was a really big thing as well. So Homegirls is something that's very close to home and something that's very dear to my heart.
0: No, it's amazing. Just um, Yasin, just even hearing your experience, like when you said Yorkshire, because Jamila and I, we went to school together in Brent, which is, you know, a, words- The that most I diverse, right? It's actually like the most diverse yeah. borough and it was only, I did like classical music growing up. So that was kind of when I was just given a whole different world.
2: Um
0: even like kind of like a white world, if you would say, where I was kind of like the only black um person in the room. So I've been in those situations, but I always felt like I knew it was kind of temporary because I had so many friends um from other backgrounds, you know, literally just my friendship group is so diverse, I've got friends from the Philippines, Somalia, um, Kenyan, Indian, India, like Caribbean, African, you know, like background. So it's, you just learn so much, but then when you actually, I feel like it's kind of a different, you kind of evolve even differently when you are from an area where you are kind of like the only black person on your, in your day-to-day life, like through school. And then when you kind of, it is that kind of moving to London. London, I just see London as such a different place because we always, we don't realise how spoilt we are in London. I think even going to school, we didn't realise how spoiled we were. Jamila, just being in a very diverse school, student-wise, not really um, teacher-wise, I think that's the profession anyway. Um, I think... I think school was diverse for us but then I think, I think it's easy to think
1: that we were spoiled but then I think when I went to uni and then there weren't many black people, it was very difficult to navigate because I was so used to being with people who were similar to me and it's only when I went to university and when I started working In fact, when I worked in retail, I think there were quite a few, like, young black people as well, but predominantly in university, there were hardly any black people. And so I really struggled to find, like, my group of people at uni. I found it very difficult to, like, build relationships with people. And I I don't want to say it's just because I was black and they weren't black. I think it's a lot more to do with, like, culture and stuff like that as well. But I found it very difficult to navigate having been around my own company for so long. So I think, you know, whilst we were spoiled Mm. in that sense when we were growing up, I feel like simultaneously, for me anyway, was a little bit of a disadvantage. Because I was so used to people who were somewhat similar to myself that actually when I came across other people... I just I couldn't gel with them yeah and that's not everyone I came into contact with but I just found it very difficult to be a version of myself that was appealing to people who weren't from where I was from if that kind of makes sense
0: definitely
1: Um, I found that quite quite difficult even up until like going into teaching and being one of maybe three teachers in a school finding it just difficult to navigate uncomfortable conversations at work without coming across as you know the angry black girl Mm. well i'm angry but it's not because i'm black it's just because i'm not enjoying this concept at work and i just find it i don't know i feel like i think either way as a black person as a person of color if you want to use that term i just feel like There's always going to be a disadvantage for us, whether we're around our own people most of the time, whether we are around people who are different to us most of the time. I feel like either way, there is just a challenge with being, you know, not English or not white in Bristol spaces. I just feel like either way, it's a challenge. And it's a challenge that I don't think I was prepared for, like by my own parents. And my parents were born in the UK. They've been in Brent. We were born in brent they haven't left brent we've been in brent for a very long time but i just don't feel like they like sort of taught us like how to navigate in spaces that weren't full of people from brent like what do you do when you're amongst other people <laughs> because you know the world
0: is bigger than Brent. it's just always having it's, it is difficult like you said Drew, like just navigating as a black person and then even navigating as a black woman because i feel like men still have that status mm-hmm. of and privilege on the fact that they're male anyway um mm-hmm. you know it's just not it's a lot well i can't speak speak and compare but it is difficult being a black woman especially you know in a working space and when they do you know even if you know just the whole thing of um changing your hair and having to I remember before i used to have just i used to get shook the night before
3: i, I absolutely listen to one of your episodes. Um I think you I don't know if you had a guest or so it was one of you that was yeah. talking about when you when you finish your is it PG? What's oh, it called? PG. PG. Oh yeah well, no, it yeah. was free. when you had braids and you kept applying but no one <laughs> wanted to give you a job and you were like shall I get a weave or something? Yeah. I was like <laughs> so yeah things like that. So um I feel like I'll give one thing to my dad. He always like since i was since i moved here he always put it in my mind like you're not like these people like yeah and when you're 11 you're like i want to be like these people like no i don't want to be like these people anymore but back then he was always like you have to work harder like you're not just going to get your grades you you have to do like after school clubs you have to do this you have to do that and even though i i didn't want to listen to him I I kind of knew he was he was right. I was I was super conscious of everything around me. I I went from living in a country with a population of all black people to moving to the street where you're the only black person and then going to school like changing your curriculum from the Gambian system to the British system. I was behind. I like i was so shit at maths like that was i hate maths to to this day but i will stay behind and do those extra hours and when we left school i i won an award for most effort in maths i was (laughs) gas people don't understand i feel like it but for example back home the education is such it's an investment like your parents pay like if you don't get your grades like i remember my one of my cousins was saying his his friend's dad asked for a refund because he failed he was like you need to give me my money back because you failed your exam so i feel like that was another problem i had to face with because my white counterparts they they were really like chilled about education like, oh, you go to school, if you pass, you pass. If you get your five five A's, what? If I came home with five GCSEs, what would my... Like, even though my parents weren't paying for it, the fact that they brought me into this country, that alone is an investment. So it was always like a thing like finish school, go to college, go to uni. And I think how Jamila, when she went to uni... There were literally like zero black people. I was the opposite. Like I went to school and I went to uni, and all the black people like, well, I was like, hi, oh my god! But then, <laughs> I was so happy. I found pekka Market. <laughs> I was like, I can buy ethnic food.
2: <laughs> I can buy all things the plantains like- you
3: want. <laughs> Honestly, it was so nice, and I'm just happy um, to be able to find find that later in life when I kind of know who I am Mm -hmm. rather than have had it when I was in school and then lose it at uni Mm -hmm. so it's a really good balance I think um, although it was hard growing up in that situation I'm kind of glad of how it turned out because it kind of made me realize oh these people are mad as well like you need to be some of these people are you're not like these people kind mm-hmm. of thing and your experiences are going to be different um you're going to have to try harder to get into like the uni you want etc so it, it definitely it definitely makes makes up a lot. and I felt like teachers were stricter on me as well um I don't know if that's because of race i'm sure it does have some like input to it but i was that like geeky girl i was on school council i was a form rep i was i had all my badges lined up on my blazer kind of person so i went the extra mile to like try and maybe i didn't even know this but to make up for being black in school i went the extra mile to do all these extra things? I was like running ca- Cafford, like the charity groups, like selling stuff at lunchtime. So I did a lot. Like I did too much in school, <laughs> just to save high school. But I'm glad it happened, and I'm glad like now I'm in a place where I have black women around me, and we all like know like you I don't have to tell you shit like we know what's happening etc
2: I think for me it was um it was different I don't think it was obviously being black played a massive part but I think in my home it was being a woman um that or being a girl at the time that had more of an impact on me um because like my parents were supportive but outside of that it was like well, you're just going to get married and have kids anyway. Like, what's the point of you going to school? And that was the kind of uh, mentality that I was brought up with. And so everything that I did felt like it was a fight. Everything that I wanted to do felt like a genuine fight. Um, and so I did my undergrad at SOAS. I got my first. I went to do my master's at Oxford. And literally, as soon as I told like some of my aunts, that I got into Oxford I was expecting them to be happy right I was like oh I did it like I got the grade because they said that I had to get a first because I was coming from a language background and I was doing geography at my master's so I needed to get a higher grade than what they wanted or what they put on their on the website in the first place and so when I went and I was like oh I, I got in I was expecting them to be happy and they were like oh well what's the point you're just gonna have kids and get married and you know why do you need to go and study even more like just get married now um and so that was like a really big thing for me of i i blocked them from that point my dad was like if you see them say hi but you don't like my dad literally was like and they were his sisters you don't need to talk to them like you fully don't need to talk to them but then he supported me up to a level right so after i finished my master's i was like i started working I was like, okay, work is all right, but I I miss studying and I want to do my Ph.D. And he was like, who's going to marry you if you have a Ph.D.? And so it was like, again, being a woman had like a really big, it was something that. Was seen as an issue when it came to like education, and I think that's why I'm really keen on doing the work that we do with Homegirls, because i know there are a lot of women who go through the same things um and who are kind of stopped from achieving certain things because they're a woman so i haven't done my phd let's say yet because i might just go back when i want but um i i'm a journalist and i've been working for a number of years now and so even now that so i got married in march of 2020 they're like oh he's they're like oh you you know you put too much emphasis on your career when are you gonna have a kid so even my own parents who were like so supportive of me studying suddenly it's like but when are you gonna have a kid you know you can't take this this job with you to the grave yes and no like yes heard these conversations like <laughs> any time I like open my mouth they're like but are you pregnant yet and that's like the first thing my auntie called me yesterday she was like oh um your cousin had a dream that you were pregnant (laughs) again (laughs) we're doing this again um and so it's it's been an issue so like my brothers obviously they were like really supportive to go but they didn't want to go to university and so for me it was I don't know it was like a, a funny kind of space that I was in um and and it's made me kind of more uh aware and also kind of um really just determined to do what I want because I've I've realized that like I've been a, a disappointment to them really on a number of fronts so I'm like well, why don't just disappoint them one more time like just add to it <laughs>
0: I was going to ask you because I I have this conversation with my friends regularly, um, female friends, and we're, you know, not parents of immigrants, but, you know, like our grandparents, essentially, and our parents, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, they're that first generation. um, And we were just talking about how women have evolved. So I was even watching um, Bridgerton and the focus on that, very much is marriage. Um when you're gonna when am I gonna get married and find this suit? And I just feel like women we've evolved, but then kind of that generation still haven't because even I get asked, I don't get asked so much by my mom mum and dad. Um but even like you know my grand my grandma will ask me we often all the time um have you found anyone are you gonna get married and it's it's that constant pressure but did you find that your Brothers had that pressure. And do you think that pressure is like? Do you think it's culture or the fact that you're female as well? Why do you think that's still such a big thing?
2: I think my my brothers did not have that kind of pressure at all. Um, for them, it's like a, a bonus if they wait because as a man, you need to you know be financially stable and all of these kind of things. So it was like a good thing that they wait um and for i think i think it's definitely a, a gender thing um it, i think it's i don't know if religious religion comes into play as well like being muslim um you know you're always told like getting married completes half your religion that's like the the big part of your religion um and then as a woman it's like you find safety in marriage Um, there's this idea of the man provides and you know once you're married like you're protected from a lot of like societal issues and it's just like this blanket that's just supposed to comfort you that's the idea of it but looking around you're like "Mm, this this doesn't match like I'm seeing a lot of women being abused in different ways like financial abuse, physical abuse, any kind of abuse that you see it and so for me like waiting so I'm 28 now and that was really late for them. Yeah. And that my mom would say, "Oh, you know, by the time I was 28, I had four kids," and I was like, "Well, good for you, ma'am. That's not me." Yeah. Like, and I don't understand. Like, you know how hard this is. What I don't get, like, they have this idea of that, and oh, I think it's better for it. They came through the civil war. Like, they've been through a lot, and they like things always work out. Like, we never planned kids; it, they just happen and every child is a blessing. And I'm like, well, good, but we live in a different time where do you know how expensive it is to rent in london like there was one person's income is never going to be enough like we both need to work we both need to do things so it's been it's been quite hard and again that's a lot of the conversations that we have with in our events um on our podcast it's like a lot of the things that we talk about because it's just and it's funny the the number of ways it comes up um so whether it's like women deciding not to do a certain career because it's seen as like is not suitable for when you have kids and like really just doing different things sometimes they're not even aware but that's like something that we definitely do try to talk about and tr- do try to like tackle internally as well as like um the, the kind of conversations that we have with our parents you know like <laughs> the whole pressuring women to m- get married but it's the fact
0: that women have evolved but then boys aren't being raised the same do this whole um to evolve as well do you feel exactly that as well Um, i think
1: like for me i feel like so I I did my first degree and then I did my master's and I'm planning on doing my PhD. And every time I do another qualification, I'm always told, oh, don't you think it's too much? Is it necessary for you to do that one? Like, um, don't you just want to focus on work? It's just like, I still have a job. I'm doing everything simultaneously. Like, I'm good. If it was mm-hmm. too much for me, I wouldn't put myself up for it. But then, like, say my brother, for instance nobody's worried about what he isn't or is not doing. Like, I won't get into what he does or doesn't do. I'm not going to shade him, but I'm just saying, in comparison to me, who I feel like I've done quite a bit academically, for, like, my brother, who maybe hasn't done as much as me
2: academically,
1: it doesn't matter. It's never
2: been questioned. Yeah. He it's can come important. and go as he pleases. Yeah.
1: Thank you. This is it. And I'm just yeah. like, so you're worried about me being or doing too much? Could it be that maybe others are just not doing enough? Mm. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And I'm not talking about my brothers specifically. But just in general, I feel like that there there is this argument that women, are we seem to be doing too much, always doing something, it's too much. And I wonder, is it really us doing too much? Or is it that there are some men who just aren't doing enough yeah, and mm-hmm. i feel like in some cultures like some people that i've spoken to and um, they think that even in their own culture that the women in their culture are doing like quite a bit they're leveling up all of the migrant and um, cho- children of migrants the girls are really leveling up and doing a lot of stuff whereas mm-hmm. the boys Always. and this is a huge generalization so obviously we're not talking about all boys and all girls but it seems like the boys really aren't doing that much and so like some of my friends my friend one of my good friends she's Somali and she was saying that you know people ask her when is she going to get married when is she going to do this and she's just like well I've done all of this academically and I'm not really seeing the men doing anything so I'm just wondering who you expect me to want exactly to exactly when the field isn't really on my level I'm exactly. just saying please, please. Exactly. and I'm just like well girl if they're not if they're not you know on your level then you can't get married can you Because why should we have to marry down?
2: And that's the thing. And it's like, even even if you decided to let's say marry down, it's still this idea of like that man's never gonna be comfortable with you and he's always gonna try bring you down. That's what I found. And we can say like not all men and all of that kind of those disclaimers. But I feel like the same way that my dad reacted so like viscerally, and he was like, Who's gonna marry you if you do a PhD? I think it's this idea that other men have so like they can say that they would want a woman who has a degree but not a master's or not a PhD because that's going to make them feel a type of way so it's like even if I did decide to say let's marry someone who doesn't have a degree or whatever he's going to have an issue with me having a degree and so I think that's where the real kind of problem comes because they can't, and that's the thing what we, that we do with homegirls because we have so many women who have been literally trained, right? You know how to run a household. You're you're trained to cook. You're trained to like ha- raise kids because you've you've literally raised all your siblings. And so doing all of these things is just like second nature after a while because you've been doing it for what twenty plus years now, yeah. So when you have a man who's just not with not with it like I tell you Yasin like sleeping in it these these lot are sleeping because and why is it up to me to then like wake you like why do I need to show you why like it's just it's just a complete imbalance and that's what really really gets to me and it's like well instead of being so concerned that your daughter is doing well maybe maybe encourage your son to do the same like why why is it this pressure to then kind of reduce yourself in order to make another man feel comfortable and a man who doesn't even exist at the moment so it's like from seven years old you're told that there's this elusive man who's out there but you're and so you need to stay in this particular box in order to get that particular man rather than thinking actually let's just all shift the box and let's just step outside let's let's have a peep I'm not even telling you to like break down the box just have a peep outside and so that's I think that's where my issue is and it's so frustrating it's so frustrating and it's just like women like you said across cultures like we we work and we engage with women from all different walks of life and it just seems it's the same across the board and that's it's just it's quite heartbreaking to be honest
0: yeah did you find because I haven't got I haven't got brothers um but I've been raised quite a few boys in terms of like cousins and then like family friends and even just having like kind of various discussions and talking with them like as you were growing up did you find your brothers were kind of raised differently than you were
2: Mm-hmm. 110 percent like up until 14 I remember like protesting because I was I would be sent to clean my brother's rooms like they wouldn't do n- like that's what I'm saying like they wouldn't do anything and then at 14 I was like hold on a minute this ain't right um because I remember like going in and like with the hoover and they would just lift up their feet and I would just be there hoovering and doing the most and no one would ever tell them to like hoover no one would tell them to do the dishes like my brother when i moved to uni everybody he, he called me and he was like how do i turn the oven on oh. <laughs> this, this guy was he was like 20 was like, how, and how do i turn the oven on and i was just like hold on so we grew up in the same house but just completely different experiences and 110 it was because they were guys and it was this idea of like my dad would be like, "Oh, I." To my brothers, who would be like, "Oh, I hope you get a uh, a woman who, <laughs> who um, is happy to cook and clean, not these ones that want to do take turns." Oh. That, was, that was that was literally the term he would use: these take turn women. <laughs> and so, I remember growing up, I was I was a very angry child, as you can imagine. I was just enraged at all times because it was just this nonsense, and it felt like no one else seemed to see it. And so I was like, no, I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. And suddenly it was like, oh Hannah the feminist, oh Hannah's so sensitive, oh, oh, oh all these kind of comments. And yeah, it was it was a really big issue. And I think Yasin, I think Yasin would agree that it's it's a gendered thing. I think it's definitely a gendered
3: thing. And I think I every day of my life I make it, I make it a point not to make men's lives easier. Mm-hmm. Like that's my goal in life. <laughs> so even like in my day-to-day job I'm a chef so automatically my future partner thinks oh you're gonna be cooking I'm like cooking where like who's cooking for you do you think I'm gonna work all day and then come and cook for you um and everyone's always like oh your husband's not gonna suffer like he has his own hands like why can he not cook his own food So I I try to make it a point, like try to shut these things, expectations down early. So if you're going to stay, you know you're not getting no cooked meal every night from me because you have hands too. And this is it. Exactly. It's, it's I just can't, the thing is for me, it's not even about, it's definitely about, oh, there needs to be a balance, but it's like, okay, if I'm going to marry you, forget feeding me. You're going to have to feed your kids one day. Yeah. Who's going to feed your kids? Like, so every day I have to make food for to make sure your kids are fed. Like, what is that? So those are the kind of things that I really think about. Like, forget me, forget yourself. What about your children? Who's going to be feeding them? Because I can't go on holiday because you can't boil rice. Like, it doesn't, like, make sense. (laughs) So... (laughs) Those are the things like cleaning. I love cleaning, but I'm not, I I make it a point that I'm not gonna be cleaning every day. Like you, I'll clean when I want to clean, not because you're expecting me to clean.
0: Yeah,
3: exactly. I genuinely enjoy doing those kinds of things like cleaning, cooking. But I feel like as soon as you have an expectation that you feel entitled to it, I'll I'll actually cook and eat my food and watch you start. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care like I'm really I'm really tired of these men I'm I'm done with them and I think also growing up in a house where I was made to cook from a young age like I was made to be responsible for like the one that has to cook the one that has to do the dishes And I just, I think that's why when I had the chance to leave for uni, I was like, bye, because I'm not going to be your chef for the rest of your life for free. And now that I'm not home, my little sister, thank God, like, we both enjoy cooking, and she genuinely likes doing it. But she's more vocal about her feelings, whereas I just used to do it because you're not going to chat back to your dad, are you? But she'll be like, I'm not your slave, like, I'm not doing it. Um, or she'll choose what, what, like, when she cooks. She'll give, she's only 14, but she's very, um, she stands on her words and she doesn't shift. So, which is what I wish I was like now. But I'm learning and um, we're going to get there. Whereas my brother, when my brother cooks, it's announcement upon f- announcement on whatsapp group chats like ethan cooked oh my god can you believe it <laughs> i'm thinking this he's 18 <laughs> like oh how i bloody hope he can cook because he needs to feed himself so it's definitely something i'm super conscious about especially when i have kids i want my both boys and girls to be very balanced Mm. like you you all need to know how to look after yourself at least at the very least like the basic stuff you need to know how to feed yourself how to clean up after yourself because although like we struggled growing up with like the responsibilities of being an eldest daughter when you actually meet other people that haven't had that kind of worry and as adults they're struggling like they don't know how to clean they don't know how to look after themselves, make their houses nice. And I'm like, I'm a tad bit grateful. Like, I wish it was done in a better way. But I'm glad I have those life skills that so many people struggle with now. So I think I definitely want to implement it, but in a way that it's like not pushing it to like abuse or... Yeah, that's kind of what, what I want to focus on.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy, isn't it, though? Because even for me, I'm when I get married, um, if I do get married and, you know, I have the opportunity to have kids, I always say, even the type of guy that I want to be with, if I'm saying, like, what are you cooking for dinner tonight? Because realistically, we're both if we're living together we're both working people so it's not every day that I'm going to be coming home after a full day of work and doing up chicken planting whatever it is every day because it's not every day like it's a balance and I think in my household with my parents I think this is kind of a bit more of a Caribbean thing where women are a bit more dominant in the house but I've A lot of Caribbean men, they are quite active. So even like my uncles and then like my dad, um, they will cook. So like my dad will do the cleaning or my mum always says, you know, like it's down to everyone. It's everyone's responsibility to keep the house clean or, um, you know, we'll all do the cooking. A lot of the time before I moved, I was the one doing the cooking. And just like from enjoyment, but it was like, you know, if you're having friends around, then you need to make sure you're cleaning. Um, because I think, you know, my mum and dad, they're very much... My dad himself is, you know, a feminist, you would say. But in terms of just, like, in, having an equal household. Um, but I think that's... I've spoken about this with a few friends before, of Caribbean background, because I, I know quite a few Caribbean boys who will, you know, sometimes because of how the house is, like, they'll be taking... An active, well, like they'll be doing what their sisters are doing. Um, have you found that, Jamila, yourself? I, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. No. Um, no, I
1: think what you're saying is true. I think that, how can I put it? I think that generally in Caribbean households, there is women, they tend to be quite matriarchal, actually. Mm. Women try to, um, tend to be like the dominant, people in the household but then the men do have their roles that they play so I think I wouldn't go as far as to say that my household is anything like Rianne's because that would be I'd be stretching it I think as we've gotten older I think I've seen more of a balance between my parents in what they do so when, like when Rianne was saying that you know it's not every day come home cook and all of that stuff after a long day of work My mum was doing that, like cooking every single day, Monday to Sunday. But she worked full time and she had three kids. Um, Now, however, she doesn't cook as much. And I think my dad probably cooks a little bit more than her. Um, But like I'm 28 now, so it's taken a lot of time for it to get to that place. Um, My brother, I've never seen him do anything domestic a day in his life, ever. Never, I've never seen him do anything domestic ever. I'd never, I'd never eat a meal from him because I've never seen him cook. <laughs> so I did. I just, that's just me. That's my personal experience. I've never seen him, you know, dice some tomatoes or onions. Never seen it. I'll never, I'll never eat from him. I remember once when we were younger, he was putting food in the oven. And obviously he didn't know. See, your brother's got sense, Hannah. He called you and asked, how do you use the oven? We were in the house and he didn't ask us how to use the oven, bearing in mind is the eldest. And the gas was on, but nothing was alike. Yeah, so my sister and I came downstairs and we were just like, can you not smell gas? And he said, oh, we'll just turn the oven off then. So you were gonna gas up the whole house? And you were like, uh, <laughs> I was Trying to kill you guys. It was not me now. But you see what I mean? Like it becomes our responsibility. <laughs> exactly. You nearly burnt the house down, but we've got to turn off the gas. Exactly. And he was just so nonchalant about it. We had to open like the doors, the windows, and he was just like, "Okay, cool. You've not got it covered." But, we, but, but we
2: didn't die. Like, why are you crying? It? And that I, is like a...
1: mm. that's, mm. that's not that's not good. So I don't think. I don't think my, my family is quite like, what's the word, we're still quite like old school Caribbean, so like my mum is more like how my grandparents would be, so she's quite like old school, so some of the things that we do or don't do is very much like traditional Caribbean ways, it's not very like modern. Um, my parents still say things like oh you're a lady you shouldn't be doing that or, or oh, you're a girl you shouldn't be acting like that we're like we're not as advanced as you and I'm sorry um, I'd like to say that we were yeah yeah we're not we're not we're not
2: we're not there yeah um, no. even, even um, with me like so my husband his family are from Ghana and so he's very kind of he he cooks he cleans yesterday I woke up and he'd already done all the shopping and it was just like where did where did this one come from I don't know who he is um and so when I tell my mom that she's like wow you're so lucky you didn't marry a Somali run <laughs> because never <Jeez. laughs> never would that happen and my mom's like oh he cooks oh wow mm. like it's genuinely a shock like it's a novelty and so they they think it's hilarious So whenever they'll come around he'll be in the kitchen with me like when we make dinner for everyone and so it's like Hannah why is he in the kitchen like that's the big thing first is like why is why is he in the kitchen why does he know his way around the kitchen is like a big question and that's asked and so it's it's weird and that was something that I was very like eager to have in the home and to maintain in the home um, because at the beginning it was like a lot of back and forth because I was like oh I feel like I'm the head and I'm just delegating mm. um, and that in and of itself is a job because I'm here like keeping a mental list of like toilet papers running out, toothpaste running out, like it's just a constant checklist and I was like that's that's not how we're going to do it. Um, this is a team and so we kind of like we split it in the sense that like all the bathroom stuff Um, with that I know when we need to do all of that and and then the kitchen stuff and like so it's very much now like very split in the middle because I was like if we're gonna be sharing bills and sharing rent we're gonna be sharing this equally as well like this this there's not a thing of like I'm the man of the household. I'm paying the bills and the, this and that. And so therefore, because I was like, if that's how you want to do it, we can do that. I'll do, <laughs> I'll cook and clean and won't we'll pay. Like, I'll just, you know. Um, But if we're going to split, we're going to split equally. And therefore, I'm not going to be delegating and we're not going to do it that way. Um, And it took us a... a, a <laughs> so we, we got married, like, literally two days before lockdown. <laughs> so it's been, like, <laughs> a whole it's been an experience um and it's been great though because it's meant that a lot of things that probably would have taken us a number of years maybe to to kind of to see as an issue or maybe to kind of come to loggerheads with it it happened very fast and it was like if we're gonna be locked down for what seems like a very long time in the uk we need to sort this quickly
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it's true because i like for me um Like that's how I kind of see my relationship like well, I'm single. But as in like if I was to be in a relationship, it would be that thing, it's that balance and it's kind of like we work as a team. Like if I'm gonna be um cleaning and cooking, like I don't mind doing this, but then it's making sure that you're doing, you know, you're looking after the living room or the bathroom or you're checking that, you know, setting up direct debits, because it's we're all living here together and it there kind of is that pressure though, like with girls there's a lot of girls in my family i feel like we've very much been raised kind of differently than to how the boys were raised very much like if you know if they've done something it's you know just by error, they're learning and even from a young age like girls we you know like even family parties where they would have us you know i don't know like caribbean family parties, very much like all the food they're that and it's like girls like okay girls come and do the um come and serve everyone by the buffer and it's like and then you know getting the food ready for the men first
2: oh my god i used to fight so do you know what my grandma would literally just put a plate on the side for me because she knew that i was gonna no matter where we were i would i would just destroy everything if this idea of like the men need to eat first i was like so you're telling me we've been in the kitchen all day yeah cooking yeah and now i can't even taste it first you're telling me i have to have what's left over and i was oh. like now nah, you are taking the piss so she would just make me a plate and make me sit in the corner and eat before the women and i just be like i don't care all you men have mouths as well you speak up Is and it? say that you're gonna eat first like you we literally could have eaten in the kitchen and then given them what was left <laughs> like, you guys want to be doing patriarchal princess i was like no it's not me no i so I, she would just literally give me a plate and be like just shut up just don't start anything (laughs) (laughs) no it's true and I think what you said
3: is it comes out later Mm -hmm. also because you know how we now we're talking about we want this balance of him do this me do that but then you know how men don't usually get things straight away and then you have to now be like between shall I just shut up in pain and let like things go wrong for them to see that this is their responsibility or do you like always have to speak up and like like if the toilet rolls running out and you're looking at each other do you say something or do you tell him are you gonna buy toilet rolls so and I think as um when you've been raised in that um environment it's so hard to let go of that control of needing everything to be perfect and needing everything to go accordingly so i think like what one thing we try to push at home girls is letting people just let go like be free Like running out of toilet roll is no one's going to die. Like, but someone might learn a lesson when they use the toilet and there's no toilet roll. Mm. So it's these kind of things that you need to like, I I know I'm a control freak and I need to like learn that before I get married. Because I think it's so easy to baby people to be like, oh, and next time, can you like do it? Rather than just letting them do whatever they want and then learning from their mistakes.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's even like that, you know, as teachers, where we're going through our expectations and our standards and things like that. And even I've learned, like I had um, some, well, two hours of technical issues this afternoon I think a few years ago that just would have I would have been so wild up I would have been annoyed upset and I just learned to let go let go of it I was just like do you know what it is what it is they've got a lesson next week and move on like it's just trying to just I think that's the whole thing isn't it it's just accepting things finding peace like that's how you find peace about accepting and moving on and learning to be like actually I don't even need to entertain it or go on about it it is what it is let's move on because I was going to ask you like what kind of you know ethos do you want people to take away about home girls and what kind of things do you push well not push but like messages do you drive forward with the girls um, in home girls I think
3: for me it's always that if you don't do something no one's gonna die like because i think one thing about our community is everyone is depending on that one person in the if if it's in the house like i got um i got a message actually a few days ago someone said they're moving out this weekend and they're but they're so scared because this is the first like they've moved out before but they're gonna leave their siblings with their parents for the first time and they're like what like how they're gonna cope like what are they gonna do without me and i just said babe you're moving out you should be celebrating (laughs) like this is this is what you've wanted so i think i it's very important to understand that their lives will go on Mm with or without you and they will be fine no one's going to die. The house not going to burn down. If anything, it will probably improve your relationship because you're not on each other's toes to be arguing and going back and forth. So I think for me, it's just helping women understand that it's okay to want to do what you want. It's okay to not have anyone rely on you. It's okay to not want to be in that family home if it stresses you out and just be selfish without feeling guilty about it. So that's my ethos. And just run away if you want to run away. I'm always a fan. <laughs>
2: that's that's uh, a big thing, definitely. And it's also, so for me, it's, there's that and there's also boundaries. I think that's something that we really try to work on. Me personally, I know, Yasser will tell you, I really start <laughs> with boundaries. So it's, that's something that we're all learning together. We have like a, a resident Therapist on our team, and um she she'll do like courses with us, like how to put boundaries in without feeling guilty, how to do this, how to do that. And so that that really helps. Um, but then at the end of the day, for us as well, it's a big thing of understanding that we can speak until we're blue in the face, but there's a lot of times where life will teach these people <laughs> what we're trying to tell them anyway. So we're trying to do We're trying to make it easier for them and be like actually this, this, and this. But because ultimately it will happen and we're just trying to soften the blow for you once it does. Um, but life will teach you. So the same way with me when I moved to do my masters, if I was like, oh my god, this is the first time, blah blah blah. And then no, like Yasin said, no one died. Um, everyone was surviving people were going to school on time, it was all happening. And so for me, it was just like, rah, you guys were out here making me stress myself. And then it was like, wait a minute, no one was making me stress myself. I was stressing myself because I thought, you know, it was me. And even recently I've started um, acupuncture. And then before we did it, I had a a session with the guy and we had like an hour conversation just talking about life and stuff. and as I was talking, he just stopped me and he was like, oh, it must be so exhausting being you, Hannah. Like, all the world's problems are because of you, isn't it? And I was like, what, where? <laughs> and so it's true, like, you may internalise a lot of the stuff that you've been taught. And you is only once, once you realise, actually, I cannot continue like this, that you start to make those changes. So we have a number of things that we want to do, but we're only here trying to, you know, offer them an easier path it's up to them to to take it but we hope they do
0: (laughs) (laughs) no thank you thank you you so thank you so much for having us